Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, Bob and Carla have told me that the music is fantastic here, and uh, certainly that was true this morning. Thank you especially for that, that final song. What a blessing that was as well. It kind of ties me back to years ago. I've known Bob and Carla probably almost 30 years now. We were pastoring in Iowa, and we would do children's camps and youth camps. And my first recollection of, of Bob was leading the music probably at the youth camp, if I remember rightly. And uh, you, you, might be, you might be surprised uh, the, to know that Bob would lead the music. But he not only led the music, he did a good job at it. But on the other hand, one of the things that, that just, just burned into my mind was he decided he was going to rock out on a song with the kids. And I don't remember whether he actually brought a wig or he made some kind of wig. But he got up there and he was flowing, throwing his hair back and forth. And, and it's just one of those things you'll never forget once you've seen it. You can't forget it once you've seen it. <laughs> yeah, those were good days and, and good friends, and, and uh, our ministries have been kind of tied together ever since. Uh, he in southern Iowa, I in northern Iowa, and then I came to Minnesota and Wisconsin, and then he came to Minnesota, and then he came over here to Wisconsin, and so our lives have just continued to be tied together all, all through these years. What a blessing uh, that family is. Close personal friends. Uh, your pastor and, and his wife are people of integrity, and they dearly love the Lord, and I think you know that, and they love people. They love people dearly. And so it's a joy to be able to be here today uh, with Bob in place of Bob and to know that he's, he's out uh, with Seth and, and enjoying some time, some family time out there. It's glad, I'm glad to be here today to be with you. Uh, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Sometimes you preach a passage of Scripture, and the passage is very simple, and so the application is intense. And that's one of those, one of those times today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that you're familiar with, I'm sure. You probably last heard it at a wedding, uh, which is another application, but it's certainly not the fullness of the context of this Scripture. This morning as we, as we gather, I want us to focus on what the Bible says about us together. Because you know, the, the, the Word of God makes it very clear that we are not individuals apart from each other, but we serve together under the Lordship of Christ. The church is about being together. There is not enough for us to be alone in our Christianity. We walk together. And that's why you're here today as a fellowship, because you're walking together. You're a part of something that's even bigger than that, however. When you begin to think about how God uses us together to further the kingdom, the pieces are beyond anything that we can imagine or we can think of. One of those things that, that happened a number of years ago, you'll remember, took place, a, uh, a, an earthquake hit Haiti, and the destruction was immense. Some of you will remember that. It's been an ongoing problem since then. But in the midst of that, when you can look back and see what was accomplished by the church, by us together in Haiti, it's, it's phenomenal. We're a part of a family of churches that's somewhere in around 50,000 churches now. And together, no matter where something is in the world, you are already there. You are already there immediately. There are very few places where God does not have his people today. And you are a part of a family that has people placed throughout the world that can respond to the needs as they come. Looking back on Haiti now, these years later, 
you can see the statistics on the screen. Almost over 21,000 patients were treated by your family of churches. They dispersed 30-something thousand medications, distributed 24 tons of food, purified 2,100 tons of, or gallons of water, had 15, 115,000 buckets of hope. Did any of, the, did any of you participate in that? We did 580 across Minnesota and Wisconsin together. And ultimately, 71, 000, 71 churches were planted, and 135,000 people made professions of faith. Because immediately when that hit, you were already there. You didn't know it. In fact, most of our churches probably were more likely to pick up and, and text Red Cross and send them $10, like we do with Puerto Rico and all these others. That, that is, that's a phenomenal opportunity for us. But $10 to a Haiti or to a Puerto Rico is like a drop in a bucket. It provides very little. But what you were able to do, what we were able to do as the people of God across the entire United States is come together and impact Haiti. Why could we have impacted Haiti? We didn't even have any more international missionaries in Haiti anymore. You take up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I saw the literature uh, in the, the vestibule as I walked in. We help support the International Mission Board. We send these missionaries out to the world. They were already not in Haiti anymore. But your sister, your brothers and sisters in Florida adopted Haiti when your international missionaries went to further parts of the world that were unreached. And so when this hit, what happened was Florida Baptists called all of us together and we began to pool our resources. And through Florida, we helped the churches, over 800 churches that were already in Haiti, be able to reach out to their communities. And so, rather than things that showed up on a dock, as a, and it's a nice thing to get something from the people of the United States. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But what was distributed came from people who were followers of Jesus all across North America. And they went through churches in the name of Jesus to touch the lives of people for the gospel's sake. That's why you have 135,000 people came to faith during that time. Because it were the churches of Haiti that were actually distributing to their people and to their neighbors and their friends the things that they needed during that time. It is absolutely amazing what we can do together. We are there already. Together we are there as the people of God. As we have opportunity every time, every day to participate in the things that are happening in the world. You'll remember the tsunami that hit in Japan. The Japanese people are very proud, don't take a lot of help. We were at a meeting, an Empower meeting here in Wisconsin at that time, and our churches were able to take up an offering when the rest of the world was basically shut down and didn't know how to respond. We were able to take up an offering, forward it to the International Mission Board, and it was in Tokyo three days later being distributed through the churches in Japan to meet the needs of the people in Japan. Together, we are there no matter what it is in the world that is happening. Every time I listen to the news, I watch the news, I think somewhere we're impacting the lives of people. One of those stories uh, happened not, not but about two years ago. One of our youth uh, workers in the Twin Cities was in Iceland on vacation 
and she had a, a massive health scare, ended up in the hospital. It was even to the point where they were wondering whether she would recover. I get a call from the pastor of that church, and, and he says, is there anybody in Iceland? Does the IMB have anybody in Iceland that can go by and see this woman? She's there with her family. They don't, they don't, they, they don't know what to do. They need some help. I pick up the phone. I call IMB. In an hour... Halfway around the world in an hour, a church planter that you support through the cooperative program and through the international mission offering of Lottie Moon was in their hospital room ministering to them. Together we are there. As the people of God, God uses us in some incredible ways to touch the world. Now you and I know that Jesus said to us in the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. Now, how important is that? It's very important. What had happened just before Jesus said this and what happens right after Jesus says this? Before he makes this, he is risen from the grave. Do you think he has the attention of the disciples at this point? I think so. Whatever he says at this point is probably the most important thing that he wants his disciples to remember. Then he ascends before the Father at the beginning of the book of Acts, and we hear a similar passage in Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. Again, what is important? I'd say what he said between the resurrection and the ascension was extremely important. What he called us to do as the people of God is together to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world's a big place. Have you kept up with it? I went out and looked at the the statistics. 7.7 billion people now in the world. In the United States, 329 million people. In Minnesota and Wisconsin, our immediate family of churches, 11.4 million people. And here in Madison, which, you know, how how do you get accurate numbers on Madison? They say 258,000. When I talk to people from Madison, they say anything from 200 to 350,000. It depends, I guess, where you cut the ring off around the outside of us. But there's many people. In fact, I would dare say, I don't think anybody would argue, most people in Madison do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is the beginning of your mission field here in this place. This is your Acts 1 Jerusalem for this church as you touch the world with the gospel. But you also participate in the wider pool because today in this day and time, you and I can touch the world right here from East Madison Baptist Church in Madison, Wisconsin. And the Lord Jesus desires to use us in that incredible way. So in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, we find the wisdom of God that God gave us in the Old Testament, and he fulfilled this, and he really played it out. Make this connection in your mind. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is kind of a, a, a touch point for us to understand in the Old Testament what Jesus is going to reveal in the church when we get to the New Testament. What we see him explaining in Ecclesiastes are some of the principles behind what it means to be the church, whether you're looking at it in Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12, what it means to be the church on mission with Jesus Christ. So listen to this wisdom that comes to us out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. 
For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Now, you know that passage of Scripture. It's familiar to you. But maybe you haven't looked at the pieces individually. I would like us to see here in this passage of Scripture four basic things that I think will help us understand what God is revealing to us here in Ecclesiastes. The first one is synergy. We see synergy taking place here. When we work together, there will be a synergy. We'll flush that out in a minute. Secondly, there will be support within our family of churches to help us along that journey. Third, there will be a strength that comes with that, or a symbiosis, and then a strength, a fourth, that comes to us. When we work together, God supernaturally does something special in our midst. Now, mind you, in Ecclesiastes, we don't even really understand yet the full power and the impact of the Holy Spirit that takes residence in the life of the believer. But God already is revealing to us that he never intends for us to be alone. We operate, we do what God desires us to do as we serve together. So let's look first of all at synergy. And the concept is spelled out very clearly for us here in verse 9. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. Both my wife and my daughter are math teachers. My, my wife teaches at the community college in Rochester. My daughter teaches middle school math in St. Louis. One year teaching high school was enough. She decided she'd rather teach middle school. But I, 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 they hate it when I, I make this statement that we all say one plus one equals what? Two. That's what you were taught in school, right? But in God's economy, one plus one doesn't equal two. It equals at least three. At least three. We can do more together than we can separately. Now, one of the greatest illustrations I've ever seen of this comes out of the 1880s. They used to have mule pulls. In fact, we still have them in Rochester. I don't know if you do anything like this at a county fair around Madison or not. But they'll hook up a team of mules and they'll pull a certain amount of weight and they'll see which team wins. And in 1885, at the World Series Championship Mule Pool in Chicago, the winning team pulled 9,000 pounds. 9,000 pounds. So somebody got the great idea. I wonder what would happen if we hook up the first team, the first place team, and the second place team. You would think it would be somewhere around 9,000 pounds plus a little less than 9,000. So you'd think it would be 18,000. You'd just do the simple math. But when they did it, they pulled 30,000 pounds together. And that was quite a novel idea back then. They're like, what in the world is, is this about? It's a simple principle that when we work together, we can do more than we can separately. If you do the math on that, that's about a 66% increase in working together over just working by yourself. I was sitting in, the, in my living room one time thinking about this, and, and I, took, I went back to those two original mules that pulled 9,000 pounds. If you divided it equally, you would have expected that they would have pulled 4,500 pounds apiece. But if you do the math backwards, instead they were only pulling 2,400 pounds apiece. And that's when I had one of those moments of conviction in my life where I, I suddenly realized that I had been doing much of my ministry by myself and wearing myself out 
completely to the point of frazzled and getting 2,400 pounds worth of work done when I should have been working with other people and I'd got at least 4,500. Are you following me at this point? Then I had one of those little twinkles in my mind, and only those of you that have remembered the King James Version of the Bible will know this. That's when it dawned on me, maybe that's why the King James Version of the Bible uses a different word for mule. There's a few of you that know what that means. <laughs> we can spend our life working our fingers to the bone, trying to serve the Lord, but our impact is minimal until we work with the people of God and come together to work things through. Again, we'll look at the church here in a moment. The beauty of the church is that God places us together And instead of doing 2,400 pounds worth of work, we're accomplishing that full 5,500, but we're doing it together for the kingdom of God. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. I, I saw that personally years ago when I used to help a guy build pipe organs. And we were in Fulton, Missouri one night, and I was, I was in college in Warrensburg, Missouri, which is meaningless to you, but that's about two hours and 15 minutes apart. I had a 7 o'clock class the next morning, and he got into a situation where he couldn't get something done, and he got so stinking frustrated that he kept fighting it and fighting it and fighting it and getting more and more frustrated, and I kept saying, why don't you let me help you? Why don't you let me help you? I think get two sets of hands in here. We can get this done, and he wouldn't do it. He was so mad and so upset. Finally, after eight hours of fighting this, he finally gave in, and together In the next hour and a half, we got it done. Now think about that for a second. An hour and a half each is three hours worth of man hours. In eight hours, he didn't get it done. In three and a half, we got it done. That's an example of what it means to work together and see this synergy that comes together when God's people work together. Again, that plays out more fully in the church. Number two, let's look at what else is in this passage. This is, this is moving from synergy to support. In verse 10 it says, If either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the one who falls without another to lift him up. The concept of support is all the way through the Scriptures, is it not? I was listening to the Bible on the way over, which is one of the things I enjoy to do. And I was going through, I call it, go eat popcorn. Anybody else taught that? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So I'm listening to that on the way through, and I hear that scripture verse in chapter 6 of Galatians, that we are to bear one another's burdens. One of the beautiful things about the church is that when we gather together as the people of God, if we are truly together, then one person is wounded and hurting, and somebody else can minister to them that needs that, that that needs to be able to encourage that person that's hurting. One celebrating, one can share of a joy with others that need that. But something magical happens in our midst as we support each other along the journey. Literally, you know, the old expression is we get by with a little help from our friends. That's how the church is designed. It's for us to be able to lean on each other when we're struggling, when we have needs, when we're grieving, when we're hurting. When we're facing uncertainty, we need somebody else that is able to share the strength of the Lord during those times. And if it's not this week, you being the one that's in need, it'll be two weeks down the line. Are you following me? Because we all need that support. And God designed us as the church to be that support for each other. 
God revealed it right here in this passage of Scripture 3,000 years ago before anybody else began to understand what it means to see these principles come together of synergy and support. When I was in the Philippines, I had the, had the unique privilege of, of uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and we were a part of a half-and-half half church, half American servicemen, half Filipino church, and we were kind of the entry point into missions in the Philippines. And so <coughs> what was then the Foreign Mission Board, now the International Mission Board, would send missionaries into the Philippines. They'd spend their first year with us in our church. Because then they would send them out more fully into the culture after they had kind of acclimated to some degree. And so we had this chance to know all of these missionaries that were being sent to the Philippines. In fact, my mom did vacation Bible school teaching the, the, the missionary kids that were out in the, the islands after that fact. But we had this, we had this unique privilege of seeing how, how the cooperative program works among Southern Baptists. Now, maybe you don't even know what the cooperative program does, but you work and you give through the cooperative program here at East Madison. <coughs> Every Sunday when you give to the offering, you have decided to send a piece of that on through the Minnesota-Wisconsin Baptist Convention to do ministry in Minnesota-Wisconsin, on to North American Mission Board here in North America, and on to the world. And so every dollar that you give, part of it goes to support the ministry of this region, but touching the entire world. Well, I knew that, and I'd been taught that, but I didn't really understand that. And so we were, we were having church services back in those days. We used to have Sunday night services. Anybody remember Sunday night services? We have all these IMB missionaries in our sanctuary, and never once did we take up an offering for any of those IMB missionaries. But every Sunday night, it seemed like to me, which I'm sure it wasn't that often, we were taking up an offering for somebody else's missionaries. And I finally asked the question, I don't get this. What is, what is this about? Why do we take up offerings for everybody else's missionaries, the independent missionaries, the, the individuals that came over from a church, or even other denominational missions? Why are we doing that? And we never take up an offering for ours. And somebody finally explained to me, you know, when we take up our offering on Sunday morning, we pay our missionaries out of that. When you take 45,000 churches and you average that out, we don't have these wild dips in how much money is available to pay the missionaries. But when you came to the Philippines, and only four churches are helping support you, and one of them has a knockdown, drag-out fight and can't give anymore, you're caught in the Philippines without enough money to even live on, let alone to come back to the States. The support was not there to be able to help them in that midst, in that dropping out of a, of a church that was supporting them. And so what, what I began to see and understand was that when we work together, we have support in the numbers and the way that God has planned us together for the good of the kingdom. When we give through the cooperative program, then things like mission trips and mission projects and disaster relief and all those things, they are ministered through people that you've already got in place. The church planter in Iceland the pastors and the churches in Haiti, or wherever it is, the churches in Japan. And so when we actually help them, we're giving through channels that are already established, churches that are already there, ministries that are already there that can meet those needs without much of a middleman in between to be able to do it. That's what it means to support each other 
And to see God do amazing things through us together as the family of God, as churches. So we have synergy and we have support, but we also have strength. And I think I'm getting things out of order here. Let's go symbiosis here. So uh, symbiosis is a terminology for how when, when two people work together, it's mutually beneficial to them. And so the concept is, it's a Hebrew concept that probably make most of us uncomfortable, but it comes directly out of here, out of Ecclesiastes. You look at the verse, it says, and if two lie down together, they can keep warm, but how can one person keep warm alone? Now, what, what that verse referred to is the, is the Middle Eastern practice, particularly the ancient Middle Eastern practice of owing your body heat to the people that you travel with. Now, we live, in, we live in a place where we don't see these extreme fluctuations of temperature that come uh, every night. But in high desert areas, you can be 100 degrees during the day and drop down to 50 at night. It gets exceedingly cold. And so in the ancient world, when two travelers were traveling down the road and they, they were stopped for the night and they're going to sleep in the middle of a desert, there isn't anything to build a fire with. You owed your body heat to each other. And so they would sleep back to back to be able to try to keep warm. It was mutually beneficial for them to be able to gather together the strength and the heat that is there to support each other. The concept in the Hebrew language is both physically and emotionally symbiosis. In other words, that we are mutually beneficial together as the people of God, both physically as we help one another, but also emotionally as we come alongside each other. Being a part of a church, we draw strength from each other, as we've talked about. We draw support from each other. We draw everything that we need in the community context, the support that is necessary and needed to be able to continue to live and thrive in life as we face it and as we struggle with it. Symbiosis. Fourth and last, we draw strength from each other. Now, when we see verse 12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Uh, I couldn't help but be reminded of, of uh, growing up a military brat. We spent time in Alaska. It could have been Minnesota or Wisconsin, particularly a couple of years ago when you had the snow you did. But one of the great exciting things for a boy in the winter is to have these mountains of snow that are pushed up alongside of the schools and parking lots and to play king of the mountain. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Well, when you're in Fairbanks, Alaska, and it starts snowing, it never snows like it does here where it just comes down in you know, truckloads all at once. It snows a little bit all year long until the second story of your house is halfway underneath snow, but it comes gradually over time. And But what happens is there's no place to put that snow, and it's predictable every year you're up against this. And so you, you go to school early, even at 30 below zero. And, tech, and I'm telling you, uh, they canceled school while I was there. It got below 50 below zero for three solid weeks, and that's when they canceled school is at 50 below. So we were frequently in school in Fairbanks at 30 or 40 below zero. We would go early, even in the cold weather, to play king of the mountain. It was, it was that important to us. Well, I figured out with my brother, my brother eight, was 18 months younger than me, and we figured out that we could get on top of that mountain back to back, and nobody could throw us off. There was incredible strength 
in the numbers that were there. Just the two of us was enough to be able to defeat anybody else. Now, if so four of them had got wise enough up to cooperate with each other and do it, they'd have thrown us off. But that's not the way people think. Even in the church, we are tempted not to think in that way. But the strength that comes in the church comes out of us being together. God able to use us together for the kingdom's glory. What we see when we look at Paul in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you've got those two passages that deal with spiritual gifts. We, paint, we have a picture painted by Paul in both of those places of what the church looks like when it's operating the way it should. Incredible diversity, sharing their gifts together, incredible strength resulting from that. That's God's design, not just from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, but also right here in the church today. The strength that comes when we are together. We're living in a day and time where this is going to be more and more and more important for us, is it not? I dawned on me last week preaching to the church that I pastor in, in Rochester. We're talking about the image of God. We've been talking about the foundations of relationships. We started with the Trinity, talking about how God is in eternal relationship with himself. And then secondly, how uh, we are created in the image of God and what that looks like. And even as I was speaking to the people within the room, I realized I'm talking to people with Ph.D. backgrounds in medical research. And they are in a world that says that it's not as simple as male and female. There are 69 genders, or whatever the definition is in the world today. And it dawns on me in that place that as we continue to march the way we are going in this culture, the need for us to support each other and strengthen each other is going to get greater and greater and greater. We're going to need brothers and sisters not only in our own church, but brothers and sisters throughout our communities that will unite and be able to stand together and support each other during these difficult days. We will need the strength that Jesus has taught us and given to us as the body of Christ is painted for us in the New Testament. You see, when we come together, there's a synergy that is, comes with that that is incredible, where God can do even things that don't make sense to us, one plus one can equal three in the midst of that. There's support that comes within the body as we give strength to each other and support each other in the midst of that. There's a symbiosis of beneficial, mutually beneficial strength that comes. But ultimately, the kingdom of God benefits from the strength of the body coming together as the people of God. And ultimately, the kingdom will grow in that midst. When I was pastoring in, in Iowa... Shortly after we got there, I moved up from Missouri, and we, we, uh, I picked up the Omaha World Herald, and there was this incredible story about uh, a man uh, named uh, Herman Ostry in Bruno, uh, Nebraska. And as I read the article, it just, it just hit me. This is, this is an incredible story. And, and what happened was, is Herman had a problem. The creek had kind of meandered, and it began to cut out underneath his barn. And the barn was starting to tip, and they had to move the barn, had to do something. And he didn't have enough money to tear it down and build a new one, and so he had to come up with an idea. Now, that's the truth. Now, here's, here's the Leo Endel explanation of what probably happened, having pastored in a small Missouri town before I went to Iowa. 
They probably sat down early in the morning after they'd done their chores in the local cafe, and Herman probably said to his friends, I don't know what I'm going to do. My barn's in trouble. I don't have enough money to replace it. I'm going to have to do something. And I can imagine some wise guy sipping coffee in the group probably says, well, just pick it up and move it. And I'm sure everybody kind of laughed and snorted at that. That's ridiculous. You can't do that. And then they started to drink a little bit more coffee. And as farmers are apt to do, they started to think, you know, that may not be as stupid as we think. We, we might be able to do that. And so back to the real story now. 328 people show up at Herman's farm. He's poured a new foundation 110 feet away from the barn. And they literally, and I have a picture if you can get it up, they literally picked the barn up, 328 people, and they walked it 110 feet across his property and set it back down on a new foundation. What seemed absolutely impossible was easy when they did it together. Somebody calculated it out later on. They probably carried about 50 pounds apiece was all it was. There's actually a book now been written for children about this experience. And I thought, isn't that ridiculous? I mean, it's a great story. There's no doubt about that. But even getting a book written about it, why is that? I'll tell you why it is. Is so few of us really work together like that. That it's a novelty. Shame on us as the church for not seeing God's design, both in the Old Testament as well in His design of the church, so that we could see the kingdom of God expand exponentially if we would do it together. Together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your Word is amazing to us. Before scientists had ever noticed, before people pulling mules had ever noticed, You knew 3,000 plus years ago the reality that we can do more together than we can separately. And You put it in Your Holy Word. And we think it's something new and fresh and surprising. But You built it into us. And when Your Son established His church, Lord, you, you, You built it into the church. And into the mission that you would use us for your honor and for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. Lord, we pray that you would help us as your people come together to be able to see your power released in us. To touch the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus. So that men and women, 7.7 billion of them, might have the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So 329 million of them in the United States might have the opportunity to hear the gospel and come to Jesus. So those in Madison itself might be able to hear the gospel and come to your son Jesus. Lord, draw us together supernaturally through the power of your spirit so that the gospel might be exalted, that lives might be transformed and changed, and that you might get the glory for everything that you desire to do. Lord, humble us so that we will work together for your kingdom's glory. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.